0: All right, welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine.com podcast, our video edition. And uh, Doug Skeen, looking all manscaped uh, up here, man. You got the shampoo and stuff we <laughs> sent you and the soap and, and all that?
1: Ooh, yeah, ballast, I'm feeling great.
0: <laughs> and in all seriousness, that's good stuff, isn't it?
1: Yes, it it, it is. And um, Tracy said that uh, I smell better, which was a 100% improvement, apparently. Wow. So. <laughs> that's where we stop.
0: This is a family show. What <laughs> goes on in the Skeen household stays in the Skeen household. So, uh, But it's good to see you, man. Uh, here we are after spring ball, and there's a lot of optimism, and I've got uh, two words for you. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Yes. Come on now.
1: Listen, listen. us <laughs> put away the blue Kool-Aid. It's, it's Wait a over. Minute. You had we, we had a glass of it back in November. And then it didn't taste so good in in uh, early January, late December there, um, but it was a good season. It was last season, as as you and I have talked about on these podcasts so many times. Um, every season is of its own self. Mm-hmm. What you did last year does not matter. What you are going to do next year, who cares? It's all about this year. So yeah.
0: And the um, good news, though, the good news though, skiing is that the culture seems to be intact and I guess can you sense in the spring if the culture is there because we've heard before where you know they've said oh yeah you know this is great and and the culture is fantastic but it really looks like on that field there's a group of guys really enjoying their each other's company really learning how to play together
1: well that is that is one of the main ingredients to any successful glass of Kool-Aid or successful football season is is positive vibes and it absolutely does matter and so if the body language is positive and you can see guys running around, having fun, enjoying each other's company and competing hard and pushing one another, that is an absolute requirement of any team that's going to have any success as we've seen in, in some previous years around here. So I mean, not last year, those, those, those positive body language, uh, indicators weren't necessarily there. That definitely changed a year ago. Uh, through last fall and we saw the results and if those kinds of things are still there now that will be one of the things that's going to help this team have success this fall no doubt in my, in my mind about it at all
0: yeah and now i know that we're going to talk and start offensive line here and i know that you've seen some film i believe on the olu Oluwatimi kid uh this kid is a monster uh we're talking about a potential upgrade here and we were talking to the kids after the spring game and uh, it was ryan hayes who said he was more than holding his own with some better defensive lineman. They wouldn't say who, which is a good thing uh and they said man this dude's the real deal yeah somebody else said one of the linebackers said he got his hands on him yeah uh, and he could not get out of that grip now i thought that was holding i guess it's not right if you get it between, Never. between no hell hands. no that's not holding no <laughs> so uh <laughs> but this kid is strong this guy is absolutely strong and if you see his video well, what a representative of the university of michigan uh, this guy coming over from virginia which is i guess is what you would expect of a guy who went to Virginia, right? He went to uh, school for all the right reasons. But what a difference! what How much of a difference can that make? And I thought Vistardis had a really nice year. But you're talking about potential upgrade at center that could really anchor the whole line.
1: Well, so the uh, the offensive line is is uh, we always talk about the tackles specifically left tackle oftentimes, but really the, the quarterback of the offensive line is always the center. Center communicates things out. Center sets the sets the Mike linebackers. Center can often. Be the one to sometimes call plays uh believe it or not and you look at a defense and look at their things and sometimes that center will turn around and tell his quarterback to option or audible into whatever but going back to last year i thought the stardust was an all big 10 player certainly the, the kid from iowa is going to be a high draft pick but i thought the stardust was one of the top two centers in the big 10. had an outstanding season did some really impressive things so to think of going from an upgrade from what we got out of the center position last year to this young man who's come over from Virginia and maybe a little bit taller, maybe a little bit stronger, maybe a little bit more athletic than even what Mustardis showed us last year, that is huge ballast. That is enormous. That's an enormous advantage because think about, think about the way we pass the football and the pocket presence that this offense requires. The center sets the pocket. And the center sets the tone, even for the run game, in, in between the tackles. So all those combination blocks going out in the middle, middle, if you don't have a good center, uh, you got problems. It doesn't matter how good your tackles are. The center of your offensive line has got to be stout and, and really, really astute and being dialed into everything that's going on. So it's critical And if this guy is going to be as good as we think he can be. Then that is another check mark in the box as to why this offense this fall should be really successful and be able to score points.
0: Yeah. Now they didn't play together in the spring, but an interior line of Keegan, Olawotimi, Zach Zinner. Do you think Zinner lived up to the billing last year? I know that he was hurt early. It's tough to play right with a hand injury. Uh, and where does he need to improve? Yeah, in order to. Well, to
1: really... yeah, in in his defense, again. Yeah you said earlier, you're not allowed to put your hands on guys. And yeah, well, here's the reality. Uh, As long as you're inside those armpits, Mm -hmm. offensive linemen are using those hands all the time and to play offensive line without being able to grasp and use your thumb and grab onto people would be enormously difficult. I never had to do it, but obviously Everett did and other guys did through the years with mangled fingers and joints and whatnot. Um, But I don't know how you do it. Pass blocking is so important. Everything you do as an offensive lineman, you got to have your hands. So I don't think we've seen the best out of Zinter. I think he was good last year fighting through the injuries on his arm, and his hand there. I think he had an ankle problem. But he fought through and played pretty doggone well. And Coach Moore there got those guys in a position to have success. So I think the best is yet to come out of Zinter. And Keegan, the same thing over on the left, I think that he was banged up and we saw him in and out. I don't know if it was a shoulder thing, I can't remember, but the lack of consistency I think prevented that offensive line maybe from being even better than it was. And so going into this fall, all the positive things are there. I think Hayes at left tackle uh, has room to improve as well. Had a really nice season, um, you know, struggled in that Penn State game a couple times there and gave up a couple sacks. Uh, So that was a pretty good offensive line last year, Ballas, and they manhandled that offensive – our defensive line from Ohio State there at the end, so they clearly have it in them to get nasty and produce. But I do think they can be even better. And you add in this guy at center, uh, Olatini, and then you throw in a new new face at right tackle. And then here's the other thing. Don't forget, we got three tight ends, senior tight ends that have played a lot of football – uh, coming back and that is like, you know, your extra lineman in there and there's a lot of tight end tackle combination blocks that go on in this offense. They should be pretty good this fall.
0: Yeah, they really should. Uh, and we saw Eric All in the Ohio State game leading plays uh, with violence and uh, bad intentions, as you like to say, uh, it was beautiful. Uh, some of the lead blocks he had on touchdowns. So, what's your lasting memory of Keegan, and and where can he improve? Because that interior line to me has an opportunity to really, really open some holes there.
1: Well, I don't have any specific play that sticks out to me, but but just the his athleticism, I think, is the one thing that gives him such an advantage. Throw in a healthy, a healthy body on top of what he's able to do athletically. And so, you know, the, the one thing I remember from last year with his development from the beginning of the year to the end of the year was that swagger, right? Culminating in the end, I think Keegan was one of the guys uh, getting up in that Ohio State dude's face uh, there in the, in the south end zone in the Ohio State game. Just the body language and the confidence ballast and what, what all that means, and I talk about it all the time. When you see an offensive lineman like, like Keegan or any of those other guys, when they're out there, bobbing their head and you can see that they're having fun what that means is they're absolutely comfortable with their assignments they're no longer thinking so much about the technique and the x's and o's and everything else they're just playing the game and now they're starting to reach the top of what they're really capable of because their mind is free to go and mess with people and see how much you can dominate an opponent as opposed to What's the snap count? Where's my foot going? What do I need to look at? Where's my right hand going? What am I doing with my line mate here? Those are all early development things that offensive linemen think about as they get into the progress and the progression of their development. When they're no longer thinking those things first, and it's like, get me in my stance. I want to go kill this linebacker and have fun doing it. You know you're coming along, and we saw that out of Keegan last year. We just got to take the next step this year.
0: That's politically incorrect. Um, let's talk <laughs> let's, let's talk about Tronte Jones here, uh, who did some really nice things as an extra blocker last year. And it sounds like, you know, Barnhart came into the spring and everything. everybody that we talked to said, okay, he's probably going to be the guy going in. It didn't take long. Jones wanted that thing badly. Not that Barnhart doesn't, and not that there's not a role for him, because there is. Uh, these guys, as we've seen, guys are going to get banged up. And Barnhart in that Nebraska game, what he did there, uh, earns a couple helmet stickers there. I don't know how many you can earn in a game scheme. What's what was the limit back when you played? How many helmets there was? Well,
1: there was no limit. There okay. was a limit. They were just really hard to get. Um, right. They didn't have all you know, the things, but Barnhart, Barnhart absolutely is going to be in their top seven balance, right? There's right. five star spots. You got to have two extra guys ready to go with no drop off. He'll be one of the seven. But if, if Jones is asserted himself as the right tackle because of some of the indicators we saw coming out of last fall, that wouldn't surprise me because when they put him as the, they put him in the extra tight end spot, I think they put a tight end number on him or they, he reported yes. before the snap. It doesn't matter. Um, he did some really nice things. Short yardage and goal line, getting a nice first step in the ground and moving some people. And so there were clearly developmental uh, uh, indicators there for him a year ago where it's like, wow, look at this guy coming on. And, again, he was in the top seven last year, just didn't quite crack the top five. Now he could be a top five guy and going to be on the field all the time. I feel pretty comfortable with him over there because the one thing that he did the most consistent, it wasn't always perfect and it never is for offensive alignment, but the dude was grinding and getting after it with a high level of effort, trying to hurt people. And if you do that, if that's the way you play, you're probably going to be all right.
0: Yeah. And let's be clear. That is an open competition as they all are. It's like Jim Harbaugh said, if anything, at best, you're leasing a position. It doesn't matter if it's quarterback. It doesn't matter if it's offensive line. And Barnhart could come back in the summer, uh, put on 10 good pounds, and start throwing people around, and uh, then you're right back to square one. But it's and a that, good problem to have. And that's the way it should be. There's
1: mm-hmm. No one should come out of spring football going, well, the job is mine. I guess I'll put it on autopilot for summer conditioning because it's, I'm going to be the starter in week one. If that's the way the culture is designed in any football program – Uh, That ain't good. And and there's no coach that wants his team getting relaxed and comfortable. So it should absolutely be an open spot, and not just at the right tackle spot, but in all of them. No No. one should be comfortable. You should be confident, but not comfortable that the job is yours.
0: Yeah, I want to talk a little bit about the defensive line. The interior line took a huge step from last spring Uh, that was supposed to be a weakness last year and the guys needed to stay healthy did Chris Hinton Amazi Smith really improved. We saw that now Chris Jenkins is up to 275 pounds to maybe 277. Uh, they think that he some people in that building think that he is uh, maybe even past where Chris Hinton was at that point. He was really come a long way. Uh, this freshman kid and I'm going to put some film out there for you to watch and we're going to zero in on him and are in the trenches. We're going to do a couple defensive line plays too. Mason Graham kid out of California is the best at this stage, and I don't want to hype him up too much, the best interior lineman at this stage that I've seen at Michigan, uh, as, and that's being an early enrollee, right? He held his own against Oluwatimi, and this kid uh, got to the quarterback a little bit, uses his hands great. Now he's a wrestler. Uh, did you go up against those wrestlers on the defensive line? And, and, yeah, every, there was, and uh, yeah,
1: there was a couple wrestlers, and, and they're among the worst to have to try to block because those dudes never <laughs> lose the balance. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're always super low to the ground and they've always got one foot anchored in you can hardly move them. They're a pain in the ass to block, which is a good thing for us to have more of those right. guys on the offensive line. But you know, this, 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 this coming fall, there's going to have to be somebody opposite of Mozzie Smith being out there making plays and Smith really came along and had a really nice season last year to go along with Hinton. And, but you know, if it's a, if it's a young guy, so be it. It goes back to what we just talked about. No one should feel comfortable that anybody's job is theirs. And, and defensively, uh, Coach McDonald last year had an enormous amount of, of uh, packages, guys coming on and off the field all the time. And I'm, I'm assuming that that's going to stay the same uh, because when you got a new defensive coordinator who's of the same system, going to be calling the same stuff. And so there has to be a rotation of fresh, stout guys in the middle because just like offensively, if you're not strong at the center and guard position, if you're not strong at the, at the zero and the three or the interior of your defensive line, your middle linebacker is going to get swallowed alive. He's not going to be able to run and see, and you're going to have problems and people will just beat you up through the gut of your defense over and over again. So it's critical that those interior defensive linemen be good.
0: Plus. As an, an offensive lineman, when you faced the defense, whether it was at Michigan or anywhere else where the ends were not elite pass rushers, uh, how did they compensate? How did they try to compensate? I know that Mike Elston, by the way, who I love and, and his impact, you can see it on the field. Uh, this guy loves Michigan and, and failure is not an option for him. And I know you and I talked about that in our first conversation we ever had probably 20 years ago, how important that is to guys in the building or who played there. Uh, but... Um, when you're focusing on that, uh, where does that pass rush come from? How do defenses try to compensate if they don't have those elite pass rushers?
1: Well, so let's just talk about the, 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 the elephant in the room. We're not going to have Aiden Hutchinson and a job will come off the corner this year. Uh, so naturally, naturally it, it's fair to say that there might be a developmental period here where Michigan's going to have to find somebody else to get to that quarterback. To answer your question, if you don't have a one-on-one threat or someone that requires a double team off the edge, then you can start to manufacture it by doing some, some slants and some twists and some blitzes, which is not always ideal. If you don't have to, you don't want to, but that's how you do it. You take a defensive end, you line them up in the same spot, and then you get somebody pretty good at dropping a drop in the shoulder and crossing the tackle's face and looping somebody else around or bringing somebody off the edge. If you're near, if you're off the hash, if you're on the right hash and you've got some room, you can bring a corner off the edge if you want. If you've got a safety to cover over the top, there's all kinds of different things that they can do to produce some pass rush. What I'm getting at here, Ballas, is if you don't have someone that can just line up and beat someone's ass, like Aiden Hutchinson did time and time again last year, and Ajabo did the same thing, then you have to make an offensive line start thinking and start wondering what you're going to do next. And that's what defensive coordinators are all forced to do when you don't have elite pass rushing off the edge. So two things have to happen. Guys have to get better and create their own pass rush. And this defensive coordinator and defensive line coach are going to have to be good at producing it when you don't have Aiden Hutchinson standing over there anymore.
0: Yeah, and talking to some of the coaches who watched the spring game, they think Minter did a great job mixing up defenses, just like McDonald did. Uh, Not predictable. And I think you're going to see some guys emerge. I really do. Now, interior-wise, George Rooks is a guy who was getting to the quarterback this spring. Uh, You saw – I was talking about Mason Graham. He was in the backfield uh, a number of times on Saturday. He had four tackles but disrupted a number of plays. So uh, that's one area where I thought they were lacking last year. Now, is it by design where sometimes you say, okay – um, your interior guys, because it's what Mozzie Smith was talking about. They didn't turn them loose. They were just doing one job and then letting the other guys get to them. How does that change for the interior guys when they're asked to get to the quarterback?
1: Well, it depends. There's the, da- the danger of letting interior guys loose, right? So if I'm going to play a three technique, which is the outside eye of either one of the guards, and you're going to tell that, two, that three technique, all right, go get the quarterback and, and, and go get them, beat that guard and get there, uh, that's fine. That can also create a lane. So if you go up against a quarterback that can step up and run up the middle, you got a linebacker dropping into coverage, you can have creases in the middle. So interior pass rushing is more difficult for guys to get home than it is for guys that live on the edge because there's just more space for them to work with out there. It's harder for tackles to block that area. Interior, there's more humans, there's more space, there's more shoulders and hips, so it's harder for guys to get there. They can absolutely let go and, and say, widen, didn't your your alignment jump jump a gap and do those things but good offenses are going to see that and they're going to compensate for that and, and hurt you eventually if you let them go too much so what i'm saying is into your defensive linemen oftentimes have to mind a a two gap area or two spaces especially if your linebackers are dropping into coverage and so but you know the the perfect the perfect example is, is obviously Aaron Donald with the with the Los, Los Angeles Rams. He, you know here's a guy who plays the interior defensive line and gets pass rush. Uh, they're right up to the end of the Super Bowl. You know that's a that's an ideal situation. If you guys remember that play, I know you do, Ballas, because you were wearing the Honolulu blue Matt, Matt Stafford jersey that day <laughs> watching the Super Bowl. Don't be salty. Don't be salty. I'm happy for Stafford. I don't care. That's fine. Um, But in that play right there at the end of that Super Bowl, they got Donald into a one on one and he played the wide shoulder of the left guard and just beat him. And so Mm -hmm. that's what Mozzie Smith can do if given that situation. Now, somebody's got to be in the middle of that offensive line. or middle of that defense to to, to help out and in case there's a draw quarterback draw you got quarterbacks that can run nowadays so um there's options in there i just think i don't think there's as many options in the middle of a defense to get home as there is off the edge
0: yeah and this is why we have doug Skeen here not just to promote manscape but that's great analysis so good stuff let's talk about the quarterbacks for a second cade mcnamara didn't have a great spring game Uh, You know, and I've remembered guys that haven't. Uh, I remember John Navarre. I remember talking to Scott Leffler, the quarterback's coach, after John Navarre had about three or four balls locked down at the line of scrimmage heading into, I think, 2003. And uh, he said, well, it wasn't ideal. It wasn't what we wanted. And then Navarre goes out and throws for 3,200 yards, which still wasn't enough for the portion of one portion of the fan base, leads him to a Big Ten title, right? Guy still wasn't good enough. But um, uh, you've got J.J. McCarthy who opted against the surgery now and won't be throwing for another week at least. I think April 18th. Uh, so, uh, I mean, Cade McNamara comes out as your starter, right? And, and how do you feel about that? And again, another battle that's going to be going into the fall, but if your money's on anybody,
1: it's McNamara starting that opener against Colorado State, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, again, the spring football ballast, the, the good things that we've been talking about need to be tempered. It's a spring football game and any, any performances that didn't meet our expectations need to be tempered. It's a spring game. You know, these guys are looking forward to the end of spring football and it's just not the same as a fall live game week. It's just not, Uh, it's a lot like preseason NFL football that definitely it's, there's things you can look look at and say, wow, this guy was able to do that or he was able to do this. Who cares? It's different when the actual game day comes. So, I'm not too concerned that McNamara didn't line it up in the spring football game. And I'm not overly concerned too much uh, about McCarthy not playing, although it's concerning that, uh, you know, the soreness, you know, you give it a rest. um, That's fine and dandy. But what happens when you dial that thing back up and you start having to go and throw like quarterbacks have to do? I don't think there was any doubt as far as the quarterbacks go that we were going to see a combination of both guys, maybe even more of a combination, some more even reps this fall with McCarthy back there uh, battling for reps with, with um, McNamara. I don't, I don't doubt that for a second. I just really hope this shoulder situation with J- with JJ doesn't hinder him and just kind of be a nagging soreness through the fall because every football season is tough on guys. Uh, so, well, let's just hope that that thing gets better without the surgery. Who knows? You know what the decision was and why. But yep. I'm assuming medical staff and everything's going to do the right thing for him. But it, a couple of batted balls, we saw that through the year last year. That that just might be that just might be a thing for for um, McNamara, just because the release of his football at times, and he's you know he adjusts the release height of the ball. A lot of times when he's throwing that crossing route, sometimes it comes out a little bit sideways. He's got a little Matt Stafford there, and then, then he's able to do that and do it really well. It doesn't bother me, Ballas. I don't care that the, the quarterbacks didn't light it up in a spring football game. I really don't care because uh, they're running a fraction of the playbook. Half the time, the defense already knows what play is coming. They've seen it a thousand times in practice, and so it's, it's of no significance to me. Yeah. Last
0: thing Skeen. Hassan Haskins here. Um, How much is he going to be missed? Because you're talking about a third down back here that not just a third down back. uh, You're talking about a guy who would get you those yards on third down. I'm not sure they have that. That's why they've been looking to the transfer portal. Kalel Mullings is a guy that they've looked at there. Uh, a little bit, but I was going back and watching that Penn State game in 60 on the Big Ten Network, and the amount of yards after contact that Hassan Haskins, uh, we can talk until we're blue in the face about the job the offensive line did, there were several plays in there in which Hassan Haskins managed to get 100 yards after contact that probably Blake Coram isn't going to get, maybe not Donovan Edwards, so it's a different dynamic here. Is there concern there not having that guy that's going to be able to break that tackle and pick up those two yards when you need, when you need to?
1: Well, there's always a loss, right? And in offensive lines, you get used to uh, your quarterback or your, your, sorry, your running back style. Haskins was that guy who uh, got much, much better. Boy, did he get so much better in his last year there uh, and was a grinder. His grit factor was off the charts. Um, now, the question I have is, can Corum be, get, get a little bit more of that grit factor in his game? Can Can Edwards develop a little bit more of a grit factor in his? They're going to have to, Ballas. They're going to have to find a way, and I'm sure Coach Hart's working on this. They're going to have to find a way sometimes to just get that extra yard and a half uh, and put a shoulder down and be a little bit of a bruiser. I don't think either one of those guys are going to change their running style to be some sort of power guy. I don't think that at all, but they're going to have to find a way to get a little more of it. And then somebody else in the course of this spring and the fall camp is going to have to step up and maybe provide that option for Michigan to put a little pressure on those two guys that we think are going to be the duo in the backfield there. So I feel really good about the running back position as I do about all the position groups in the Michigan offense. The question is, you know, how do you replace Haskins and the way he's played? You know, I don't think there's an easy answer for that. Uh, and, and if you don't have it, then you have to do some other things to try to help. Or maybe you maybe you, you ask your offensive line to do a thing or two more. Remember, now this offense blocking wise last year, balance was pretty consistent. Right. We ran gap power offense 80 percent of the time. And then we ran play action off of it. And then the curveball was the wide zone, right? Remember seeing the starters get out on the edge and we're pulling somebody around the edge on the wide zone, the, the sweet play. Um, maybe, just maybe, you do a little bit more of the, the ladder there. If you got guys that are more athletic that can get out there and do it, then you have a little bit better chance of maybe taking a Quorum and an Edwards, who aren't your power guys, and giving them out a little more space. So, and giving an offensive linemen out there with them. And then you don't need to try to run over linebackers all year long to get first down. So there are things this offense can do that change to the talent that they have.
0: And we're going to break down each of the offensive linemen from the spring game. I'm going to give you some film that actually works and let you look at it and uh, break down these guys individually. And we'll do some in the trenches with them, too. Uh, I was pretty impressed with the job that Sharon Moore has been doing with these guys and the defensive line, too, that Elston's been doing. I feel pretty good about this team. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, I don't play. <laughs> put that Kool Aid guy That's back it. up there.
1: There well, it I is. The cool the Kool-Aid. <laughs> I am not drinking yes, last you year, are. Last year's policy was pretty good. I ain't drinking Kool Aid till after the Ohio State game. It was pretty good. Okay. It was pretty last good. Thing. But I'm glad, last I'm glad I didn't drink it till after the Ohio State game. Okay. And uh, New Year's Eve, I didn't have any. So I was, I was, yep, you know. L- last thing, w- last
0: w- thing, though. Last thing, last thing. Uh, the excuses coming out of Columbus about the snow, the snowflakes and the potential flu having an effect on them getting their absolute ass beat, uh, has been phenomenal. Uh, it's, it's taken on a life of its own about, uh, you know, they they think it's their birthright now to win that game. And I've never seen anything or heard anything so soft in this rivalry as the excuses that I've heard coming out of Columbus at this point. What do you, what's your response to that?
1: Well, I don't, I quite honestly, Ballas. um, I don't have any doubt in my mind that the um, the energy put into this fall's Ohio State-Michigan game in Columbus for the Ohio State Buckeyes will be off the charts. Um, they None of those guys know what it's like to lose to Michigan. They all know what that feels like now. And then there were a few guys rubbing it in after the game uh, on national television, some former players saying some stuff that just is gasoline to your opponent. I I don't know why we can't figure out a way to not do those things. <laughs> it'll, be, it'll be all right with me if we just beat a good team and say, man, it's really great to beat a good team and be a champion okay. instead of taking shots, instead of taking shots at other coaches and players on the team. Um, Cause all you're doing is absolutely pissing them off and giving them motivation to work even harder to beat you. Uh, it will it be a grinder of a game, but I don't know. I don't, Ohio State can say whatever they want now. you got to remember, their fans down there um, tap to a little bit different beat. And what I mean by that is is these guys probably hear a little bit more than your average college football team does from their fans and social media and whatnot. And they're probably just tired of hearing it. So if I'm a player at Ohio State, I might tell you anything I can possibly tell you to get you to shut up and leave me alone. I want to beat Michigan's ass. Um, and, And that's probably what they're thinking down there. I don't. To me, it doesn't land on me at all. They can say whatever they want or not want. It'd be be better for me if if Michigan would just uh, act like we've been there before. When you beat Ohio State, it's part of our expectation, too. Yeah, granted, it's been forever since we did it. But you should probably understand, hey, all right, that was then. This is now. Uh, The Kool-Aid will be served after we beat you again in Columbus in late November. Until then, we need to go to work.
0: There you have it. It's good stuff, Doug Skeen, Michigan's former All-Big Ten offensive lineman uh, and loyal Manscaped user. So, uh, Skeen, we will talk to you next week. We'll do our In the Trenches. Really appreciate your time. All right. Go Blue bows. Okay, round
1: two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. Ch-ch-ch-ch-